Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Could it be that God has just never had enough of new friends? We're exploring friendship in this series. Think of it as a kind of a building block. We started with the fact that God created us for friendship, that he actually wants to be in friendship with us and has done everything possible to make that happen. Coming as the Son of God, Jesus revealed to us God's heart to be our friend and called us into friendship with him. The astonishing, life-changing truth that Jesus calls us his friends changes us forever. And we explored how that call into friendship with God, that call into friendship with Jesus, doesn't just stop there. Building on that, we realized that this call into friendship with Jesus is also a call into friendship with others, into friendship with each other. And that the quality, the even vibrancy, the, the depth of our friendship with God is directly related to the quality, the vibrancy, the depth of our friendship with each other. This is what we've been exploring all through this series, and I hope it's been encouraging you and it's been challenging you. But could that be it? I mean, could we actually summarize the Christian walk as friendship with God and friendship with each other? Is that the sum total of what Jesus is all about, of what God's all about? Deep friendship with each other and with God? Well, maybe if you don't forget the fact that God is still in the business of making a whole bunch of new friends. That God is actively looking around and seeking who else he can include in this friendship circle. God is like that friend who just never had enough friends. So it seems like there's always room for one more. You've had that friend, haven't you? The party's never big enough. There's always a seat for one more. There's always an invitation going out. God is like that friend. There's one more. There's one more. Ding dong. There's one more. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit seem insatiable in their desire for more friendships, for more people, for more connections, and they just do not quit. We must never forget this overriding fact. God is always seeking new friends. Which is a good thing because none of us would even be here. None of us would be connected to Jesus. None of us would have discovered the grace and the love and the the friendship of God if it were not for the fact that God was continuing to seek new friends. I mean, think of all the friends that God already had, like Abraham, (laughs) Moses, David. I mean, he even had this bunch of Jewish boys who, while they may not have been cream of the crop, and one was definitely a dud, they seemed to go on and become pretty great guys. I mean, historically, they're even called saints. You know, St. John, St. Paul, 
even St. Thomas, unbelievably. And then you read the history of the church and you discover there's a pretty stellar cast there that pops up. There's some real stinkers, but there's some certain people that you're like, wow, God, he's got a great set of friends. He must be, you know, full up. But that's not true. One of the wonders of our triune God is that there's always, always, always room for more and more and more. God loves his friends, and he loves making new friends. Well, how do we know this? Well, when we go back to the story of Jesus, as we always should, because it's only through Jesus that we actually see God clearly. It's only as we look at Jesus that we get a perfect representation of the character, of the interests, of the passions of God himself. What we discover is a God who has an unquenchable thirst for new friends. And those new friends, they might not be the saints that you and I have come to expect at all. Well, we're going to dive into one of Mark's, St. Mark's earliest recorded stories of Jesus. It's found in chapter 2 of his short gospel. It's the second book of the New Testament. And Jesus has just stunned everyone by healing this paralyzed man. Now, the healing of the paralyzed man was incredible. But he went on to stun them even further by forgiving the sins of this young man as though he were God. And people were astonished and surprised and delighted and very upset. He was claiming divine authority to forgive sins. His detractors said, who can forgive sins but God alone? Ding, ding, ding. It was a bit of a signal what was happening on. Well, this is the big story that sits behind. It has a huge effect because it's signaling to everyone who's watching that this Jesus is not just a prophet, but actually their God come to them to make things whole again. And Jesus is not just making people whole through healing and forgiveness, though. What we discover is he's also making people whole through friendship. Friendship with him. Let's see what happens next. Following the healing and the forgiveness of this paralyzed man, let's see what we discover. This is Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read it from the New International Version, but I'm going to dip a little into the New Living Translation as well. It's found in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 13. You can join with me in a physical Bible or on your phone or even if you're watching this in church online, in the chat, there's room for your Bible. Let's follow along. So verse 13 says this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. The call to follow Jesus, as we've discovered even in this series, is a call into friendship. And in the case of Jesus and his closest followers, they really did life together. They walked, they talked, they listened, they witnessed what was going on, they ate, they they found new places to sleep, they went across the lake, they came back, they were always roaming around. This was a real friendship that Levi was called into. But astonishingly, this time, 
Jesus targets the one man that everyone would have thought. You know, all the crowds that are milling around at this moment, that's not the guy that anyone would have thought Jesus was really interested in. This is the one man that would have seemed beyond the interests of God, beyond the interests of this healing, forgiving character. Jesus, this sniveling, low-down, no-good, thieving, Roman-loving, unpatriotic Levi. You can just almost hear them spitting it off their lips. Levi. Him. And we can't miss this because Jesus invites into friendship. Jesus, who is the very Son of God. Jesus, who heals paralyzed people and forgives them of their sins as God. Calls this guy to follow him into friendship, and he does. Turns out, God is really keen on making new friends of all kinds. I encourage you to look around. Look at who you're with. Think of who you're around. God is into making all kinds of new friends. He still is. Okay, so Levi's following Jesus, um, which maybe some people could say, okay, well, maybe that's okay. I mean, he did leave his tax booth after all, so maybe there's hope for this guy. Let's wait and see what happens. But then what Jesus does next is something that no self-respecting Jew would ever do, let alone this healer, teacher, Torah-keeping, prophetic-type guy. He goes to a party with his new buddy, Levi, a party that is filled with all of Levi's disreputable friends. Which, it turns out, and this makes it even worse in the eyes of some, these disreputable friends, well, it turns out they're actually friends of Jesus, followers of him, too. Look what happens next. Verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Many who? Many sinners and tax collectors were among the followers of Jesus. We've already talked about how these tax collectors were you know, politically compromised, unethical, you know, abusive in some ways. They were not looked up to. But sinners is kind of a category type. And it was used by certain people to kind of describe the unwashed, unfaithful, the people that were certainly ritually unclean, sexually immoral, prostitutes, low lowlifes, messed up, you know, those people. And they sort of gave them that category of sinners. And here they are, eating with Jesus like they're friends, like he was comfortable with them. And they are comfortable with him. What's going on? Could it be that they actually were friends and comfortable together? Could it be that this very son of God, this healer, this teacher, this forgiver, could it be that he actually liked being with these people? (laughs) As you may know, eating together in this ancient culture, and still true in many Middle Eastern cultures today, 
is no small thing. It's a sign of friendship. It's a sign of acceptance. It's a, it's a sign of trust. There's a bond there. There's a willing association there. We discovered when we traveled in the Middle East just how big of a deal this is. And when we were hosted in people's homes, wow, it was incredible. The friendship that was shown at the table, the acceptance. What we discover here, of course, is that Jesus had among his own followers and his own friends a remarkable collection of undesirables. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's the grace of God sitting down at a meal. It's beautiful. But it was also very upsetting for religious people. For the right and tight people who thought that sin and unrighteousness was actually a barrier that God could not get past. Something that God could not get over. People who were so obsessed with getting things right that they missed how God was making people whole. Who thought that sinners were a target of God's wrath rather than objects of his mercy. People that he wanted as friends. Well, the Pharisees in particular were upset. They were a small but influential sect within Judaism. They didn't represent the whole, but there were you know, maybe five, 6,000 of them, they think, historically. It was rumored that some of them believed that if all Israel, if everyone could just stop sinning for a day and, 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 and be righteous and be faithful and do the right thing for just one day, God would swoop in, make things right, Rome would be thrown off, and they would be restored to their former glory. And if you carry that kind of view, then every day when you walk around and you see one of those guys doing that stuff, they are the problem in their minds, right? So to the Pharisee, they're looking at these people and they're thinking, you're the reason why we're still stuck under the thumb of Rome. You're the reason why we're still in such trouble. That's how they're viewing these very people. And yet Jesus is hanging out with them. And so in verse 16, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Or, as the New Living Translation puts it so aptly, why does he eat with such scum? Which captures it. How they felt. See, Jesus' friendship with sinners is offensive to the religious. And that's still true, actually. How often have I seen this? How often have you? How often, if I'm honest, have I felt this within myself? Maybe there's certain people that I just, the way they live or the way they look or the way they smell or the whatever, they, 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 I pull back from them because I just, ah. How often have we as followers of, of this Jesus, this Jesus who's sitting here at the table with these folks, how often have we judged people for their status as sinners rather than seeing their proximity to Jesus. It's a sure sign of religion gone sour, particularly the Christian religion, when there is a negative or a suspicious reaction 
to the loving acceptance of people who are far away from Jesus, who don't look anything like him. It's a sure sign that something has been cut off from the real person of Jesus, that something else is taking the place of Jesus in his heart, of God's desire for friendship. And whenever that happens, when we see it, but when we feel it within ourselves, whenever that happens, where we're, we're somehow judging people but forgetting that these are the people that Jesus is after, these are the ones he's invited into friendship, whenever we feel that within ourselves or see it within the church, we have to go back to Jesus himself. We have to plop down at that table, maybe even imaginatively, prayerfully, sit down, shoulder in between Levi and his unsavory buddies and get our hearts screwed back on straight, aligned with the heart of Jesus. Because for way too long, the church has been worried about being associated with, quote, bad people, quote, sinners. And so we insulate ourselves and we hold others at arm's length or we hide behind our walls or our bubbles or our Christian programs or our Christian publications or music or safe havens and we end up being just like these religious dudes who think that association with messed up people is some kind of a sign of impurity or some kind of a sign of unfaithfulness rather than a reflection of of the very heart of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. I certainly grew up with that. You know, I grew up with in a circle that took this verse that said, um, you know, avoid the appearance of evil, took that and extrapolated it so that we, we really had nothing to do with people who were messed up or people that were living in ways that we didn't agree with. And somehow it became a way of judging them defining them by that and forgetting that those are perhaps the very people that Jesus is saying, I want him as a friend. But this, because this is who Jesus is associated with. We can't miss this in, in this story and others. You know, this, Jesus was renowned for it and criticized for it by religious people. Loved for it, of course, by others. But it was, he was famous for his association with the others. Association with the sinners. And it begs the question for us, doesn't it? Who are we known as, if you're a follower of Jesus listening today, who are you known for your association with? Is it other Christians who look just like you? Maybe align with you and lots of maybe political or theological? Is that, is that your set of friends, your birds of a feather that flock together? Is that kind of what you're known for? Is it as a church, what are we known? Who are we known for our association with? Again, is it just other people who look like us? Who look like us physically, look like us socioeconomically? Is that what we're known for? Our association with others? Who are we known for our association with? We need to let go of probably two things. One, our own pride, our own ego, our own comfort. You know, because it can get uncomfortable when we associate with people that are different than us. But also, we've got to accept, like Jesus did, the misunderstanding and maybe even malignment, slander of other religious people when we associate with those who are very different, those who may be living in ways that are really harmful even to themselves and others. 
Now, some of you, I you know, immediately think, yeah, but what about those negative influences? Like, what about uh, being drug off into something that is harmful? Well, here's the thing I want you to remember. What we've been talking about in this series is how we are to first remain in Christ. We are to be nurturing a daily, weekly rhythm of, 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 of spending time with God in prayer and in Scripture and having habits in our lives that, that are actually grounding us in a life in Christ and growing in that. We've also been talking about how we need to, need to, need to be deeply connected to each other in friendship. These are essential they're like foundational pieces. Think of them as, 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 as pieces of stage being built up. That at the bottom, the very foundation is that we are growing deep in Christ. We're remaining in Christ. And we're obeying his command to love each other as he has loved us. And the next level is our spiritual friendship with each other. Where we're going deep with each other. And we're growing and we're challenging each other. Being receptive to the challenge. So, listen friends. If those two things are in place in our lives being rooted in Christ, remaining in Christ, and in depth of friendship with each other, there is little fear of being drug off into something terrible. It's just not going to happen. We love and serve each other as we then, in this extension of friendship, we welcome others into friendship with Jesus. Now, there may be times when wisdom is needed. Of course, we need each other for that. There could be examples where reaching out to a certain group of people who are participating in, a, in an addiction or an activity that really would be hard for you. Okay, we use wisdom. But you know, there's others. There's other friends. There's other people far away from Jesus. Reach out to them. But the point I want to make really clearly here is that as we're rooted in Christ and remaining in him and connected with each other, this can be a false fear. Jesus is calling us into friendship. I like the way Andy Stanley puts it. He talks about people, and when you reflect on the scripture, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. Did you get that? People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And he liked them. And that challenges me. And I think that challenges us as a church because Jesus doesn't, you know, hold his nose when he's sitting at the table with Levi and his buddies and just, oh, I just wish this would be over. You know, that's not the picture you get here. And that's certainly not what the religious leaders saw. Jesus is known for and despised for this. And so it challenges us as a church. It challenges us as followers of Jesus. Who are we known for our association with? Maybe even better yet, who are we despised for our association with by other religious people? The truth is, I myself personally would rather be known as an associate of sinners than to be regarded a friend of Pharisees, modern day or otherwise. I'd rather be known and maybe despised as a friend, an associate of sinners, than to be somehow aligned with this false sense of who God is, this Pharisaic judgmental. Part of that is because it's only in the company of other sinners that we can know and experience the grace and the life and the friendship of Jesus. That's where I want to be. But you know, even as I say that, that can get us off on the wrong foot. Because all this talk could make us think that when we think about reaching out to other people, whether they're people that are very different than us, and, you know, sinners, or whether they're just average folks that we live life with that are far away from Jesus, when we think about that, we can think of ourselves as Jesus at the table. You know, we can think of, like, I'm hosting a meal, and I'm Jesus with all these sinners. 
in fact, that's not true. The truth is, we're there at the table jostling with the others for extra stew. You know, like, we're the sinners at the table with everyone else, too. We are the very people that Jesus came to befriend. And when we remember that, then we realize, oh, as God calls us to extend his friendship to others, all we're doing is saying, hey, look, he let me at the table. You can come too. It's really all that's going on here. If I can be a friend of Jesus, man, you are golden. That's what Paul said. This month I've been reading 1 Timothy over and over again like I've been doing this year, picking a book of the Bible for the month and reading it immersively again and again and again. And Paul in 1 Timothy likes to say, look, I was the chief of all sinners, sinner number one, and God did it so that others could look at me and go, oh my goodness, if that guy can be a friend of God, anybody can. And we're reminded of that as we sit at this table. Jesus has befriended us. (laughs) And he's calling us to befriend others. Well, let's finish the story. On hearing this, on hearing what these um, Pharisees said to his disciples, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The New Living Translation again tightens that up a little bit. I'll read it again. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Jesus said, I've not come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So there it is. Jesus extends his friendship to who? To the sick, to the sinner, to you and I, to those who know they need it to those who look at this friendship that's being extended to them through Jesus or through followers of Jesus, and they realize, oh my, I want to be at the party. (laughs) I want to join in that meal. I want to be part of that friendship. Listen, as I was um, reflecting on this and praying through this, I I heard a song by Gregory Porter. Gregory Porter, I've been listening to his music for now a few months after hearing an interview with him. I love his... uh, vocals. I love the rich sound. I love his style. And as I was reflecting on this uh, sermon, this message, I heard Greg Porter, Gregory Porter sing, Take Me to the Alley. And I want to play that for you in just a moment for reflection, but listen to the lyrics here. It starts with this, well, they gild their houses in preparation for the king, and they line the sidewalks with every sort of shiny thing. They'll be surprised when they hear him say, Take me to the alley. Take me to the afflicted ones. Take me to the lonely ones that somehow lost their way. Let them hear me say, I am your friend. Come to my table. Rest here in my garden. You will have a pardon. Take me to the alley. Take me to the afflicted ones. Take me to the lonely ones that somehow lost their ways. Let them hear me say, I am your friend. And before we finish today and get to some real practical, concrete steps that we can take, 
I want us to listen to this song by Gregory Porter and reflect together on the character of Jesus who is extending his friendship to us, through us, to others. Let's listen. Preparation for the king, and they line the sidewalks with every sort of shiny thing, but they will be surprised when they hear him say. Take me to the alley Take me to the afflicted ones Take me to the lonely ones That somehow lost their way Let them hear me say I am your friend Come to my table Rest here in my garden You will have a pardon You Take me to the alley Take me to the afflicted ones Take me to the lonely ones That somehow lost their way Let them hear me say, oh, I am your friend. Come to my table, rest here in my garden, you will have a part. 
Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Take me to the alley. Let them hear me say I am your friend. That's the gospel. That's the good news. This God who's created us for friendship with him, who's called us into friendship through Jesus, who looks us in the eye and says, I am your friend. You are my friends. Who calls us into friendship with each other. Beautifully. Humbly says, now, will you turn and extend my friendship to others? This is a God who is actively seeking new friends. And he's asking his friends to help him, to get in on it, to extend it to others. We who have experienced this wonderful grace, who still sit at the table and look around and think, wow, I get to be here. To this, come one, come all. It doesn't matter how you've messed up because Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the forgiver. Jesus is the friend. And man, he's a party animal too. We get to be at this table and there's always room for one more. Well, how do we do that practically? I mean, what does that mean for us as the Erickson Covenant Church? What does this mean for us as followers of Jesus? What does it mean for us who are exploring faith? Let me start with you who are exploring faith. Listen, this is a real invitation. Jesus actually wants you as his friend. Whatever your life has been, whatever you've experienced, whatever confusion you have, whatever guilt or shame you carry, Jesus actually looks at you in the eye like he did Levi that day in the tax collector's booth, and he says, would you come follow me? Follow me into friendship. Jesus took your friendship so seriously that though he healed and taught and demonstrated the kingdom of God and all of that, 
he ultimately went to the cross and paid with his life so that you could be restored to friendship with God. That's the whole meaning of the Bible. The whole story of the Christian faith is a God who wanted you for his friend and did everything possible to make that happen. And so if you're just exploring faith, today could be the day where you say, I want to sit down at the table with Jesus. I want to be his friend. And if that's you, I encourage you to reach out. Use this email, connect at ericksoncovenant.ca. Come straight to me. And we can explore further steps of what that might mean for you. Where you can discover what it means to be in friendship with God and take that further. For those who are following Jesus, for our church, Erickson Covenant Church, I also want to get super concrete. Through this series, I've been trying to be really practical. I've challenged you to have daily habits and rhythms that will nurture your relationship with God. I challenge you to think critically about how your friendships need to go deeper and even pursuing what I've been calling a spiritual friendship where you intentionally walk with someone, where you share about your walk with Christ with each other and pray for each other. I'm trying to be super practical. Well, today is no different. Today, I want to talk about how we can extend God's friendship to others, to anyone, to anyone. Not just the, quote, down and outers or people that are difficult, but anyone who is around us who does not yet know what it means to be God's friend. And so I want to issue, I called it the ECC Extension Challenge. And I want to issue it to us today. The first extension challenge is that we would extend our table. Extend our table. That is, that you would think, who is it that needs to sit at a meal with me, with us? Now, maybe it's not a meal. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it is a walk. But metaphorically, think of your table as the place where you sit, you eat, you enjoy friendship. Who needs to be on your couch this week, this month? Who is it that's been excluded? Who is it that is unlikely to actually ever get an invitation from anyone? And could it be that God is asking you to do it? Who's isolated? Who is someone that you are a little scared to extend your table to? Could it be that as the heart of Jesus continues to work in you, God is saying, would you extend your table to them? And so I very practically want to ask you to consider, who could you invite? I didn't have time today, because I've already talked too long, but in Luke chapter 14... Jesus has a a bunch of stuff there in the parable of the banquet, a whole bunch of great stuff. But, you know, right in the middle, he looks around at the host of a meal that he's at, and he challenges the host to stop just inviting his buddies. Very practically, Jesus says, stop inviting your friends who will also invite you back. Start inviting people who are never going to be able to return the favor. Jesus himself gave us hosting advice. And I think that challenges us directly because what we can be so guilty of is that we never extend our table beyond our circle of friends, maybe the circle of people we feel comfortable with. And yet the gospel 
the example of Jesus and the explicit teaching of Jesus challenges us to do that. So very practically now, who is God calling you to extend your table to? I would like you to pray about that. Jot down some ideas. And then maybe when you're driving around or walking around or you're, you're this next week or two, ask the Holy Spirit to provoke in you a heart response to someone or a family or a person that you run into, that you meet, that you engage with, that it will be them that you extend your table to. So extend your table. The second one is to extend our hobbies. You know, there may be a hobby that you're involved in that uh, maybe, maybe you like play games. I don't know. Maybe you're a knitter or a gardener or you have a book club or you'd like to have a book club or you knit or you'd like to knit. I, I don't know what it is for you, but you could extend that hobby or recreation, whatever it is, you could use it to extend your friendship to someone else, to extend God's friendship to them, to invite someone into your hobby. Similar to the extension of your table, this is being aware that could it be that there's someone around who also shares this same interest? Someone maybe very different than you in other ways, but there's a commonality there. And God wants you to extend his friendship to them by simply inviting them into your hobby, your recreation. It could be that in you know, just varying this a little bit. It could be that it's not extending, um, you know, an invitation for someone to join a hobby. It could be that you decide, I'm going to take up something new. I'm going to take up a new recreation or, or a new hobby. You know, in my own life, let me use an example. Um, I have become part of our local theater group, Footlighters. And um, if you're watching this uh, on Sunday morning, I will have just been in the park all weekend um, giving some Shakespeare and singing some Broadway doing stuff that stretched me. And I love the friends I've made through Footlighters. I love the new friendships that have grown with these wonderful people. And in in my case, I put myself into uh, a new sphere so that I could grow in friendship with others. As a pastor, it is very easy for me to only be around people that are part of the church or people that are part of the Christian faith. And so to put myself into another sphere of interest where I want to grow and explore enables me to grow in friendship and through that to extend God's friendship to them too. And it could be that in some way it's extending your hobby. It could be an invitation into something like that. The truth is it's hard to extend God's friendship to people if we aren't willing to extend our friendship to them. Right? Third, to extend our prayer. This is where we get very intentional about praying about those who are near us, but are not yet connected in friendship with God. Maybe they're not even overly connected in friendship with us. On my prayer list that I pray through every day, and I rewrite it at the start of each month, I have a, I have a column, I have a list of, of, of people that, that um, I'm praying for regularly that I would be able to grow in friendship with them. Some of them are very, very, very far away from Jesus. But I continually ask, God, nurture my friendship with them. How many be intentional about reaching out to them, to spend time with them, to go for walks with them, or have them over for coffee, or engage with them in some thoughtful way? And by continuing to pray for them, God keeps them front and center for me. By, by extending my prayer, 
it's going to help me extend my table and extend my hobby. And so don't just extend your table, extend your hobby, but extend your prayer too. If we will do this table, hobby, prayer, I really believe that we'll see people experience God's friendship offered to them through our friendship. So I think there's something key there so that people can experience, hear, even perceive through our friendship that there's a God who invited us into friendship and wants them to. Jesus is super keen on this. I hope we carry that away today, knowing that our good God wants new friends. He's calling us to be part of extending his friendship invitation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for being our friend. And then for modeling for us and teaching us that we, as your friends, are to be people who are deliberately extending ourselves to others in friendship too. And so would you help us, as the Erickson Covenant Church, as followers of Jesus, as well as those who are exploring faith, would you help us respond to who you are as revealed in this particular story? Help us to be open to how you are calling us into friendship with someone that perhaps we hadn't considered. Help us extend our table, extend our hobby, and extend our prayer so that more men and women and children discover there's a God who created them for friendship, doing everything possible to make it happen. We pray this in your name, Jesus, our great friend. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.